Good evening, good afternoon, good afternoon. How y'all doing out there? We're going to do a real quick Facebook Live of KG Scripture Walk and Doc podcast here. And I say real quick because uh, we have other things to score for our listeners, and we're going to share those. Uh, we've been testing things, and we're going to share them in the future. But I think the tests were satisfactory to all three of us. And you'll see those, the results of those very soon. Gentlemen, how are you? Made it through the holidays. And made it to 2017, and we're all good. I think we did okay for ourselves. Who are you? But I am the fifth water wildcat. And you are KG. And that is Doc. Hey. Yeah, but how can folks find you on the internet? Well, I'm, I'm introducing everybody, and I'm, I'm feeling kind of fuzzy-wuzzy today. Yeah. And I know, I know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to be honest right there. We almost told Doc uh, we got a, an engagement. We had a good, <laughs> time, we had a good time in March, so that's all yeah. I got to say about all yeah. that. So, yeah. um, you can find me online at uh, uh, Facebook, TweetDeck, Twitter, JLWoodley1. Jerry L. Woodley Jr. You can find me on SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, and uh, Blogger, Blogspot, AKSV, DCSR, the College Sports Report. Doc, I'm doing well, man. Literally just getting off the road. It's very busy. Holiday break since last time. I was in Austin at the uh, next studio. Athlete uh, Summit, presented there by John Grant, the executive director of the uh, Celebration Bowl. Brought him down as a guest panelist, and he loved it. Uh, the people that were there to witness what was going on, they were excited about uh, what they heard. So it was all in all, it was a good trip. While I was down there, made some major connections with the NCAA individuals that wanted to see about working with our sport management program at Texas Southern University. So I'm excited to hear that. Uh, made uh, some inroads with them. Gentleman uh, down there wrote some of the president of UT about the, his program initiatives that he's doing. And working with students at Texas, particularly uh, with the athletes. And so I'm looking at seeing what I can do to bring that to Southern University. A lot of work to take place. And yesterday you had the big man between Southern and Texas Southern, but before that, and, uh, some gentlemen that flew down from LA to have created a documentary about HBCU athletics. So I uh, set up an interview. So we did the interview in the Panthers uh, News Football Stadium. They loved this interview and they loved the information I provided. So I did went well. So it's extremely busy. But now we're in the house, ready to give y'all some updates. So let's take a take. And real quick, I'll put it on my, put the camera back on my face so everybody can see the cap I'm wearing. Because as we all know, I'm in a proud you wait too long, it's cold outside. Are you winning? So I had to put that on for everybody. Uh, Coons lost last night to Cincinnati, but you can go to my website, HoustonRomarView.com, for a recap and post-game interview, post-game press conference from Coach Kelvin Sampson. He was very straightforward in some of his comments about the play of his big men. Or lack thereof. Excuse me. I asked a question about uh, get his thoughts on the performance of Dan Rand Rose and Kyle Meyer. So you can go to and Coach Sampson in his Coach Sampson way <laughs> says uh, you turn the question back at me. So well, what do you think about it? Because 
you have an answer based on the question that you asked the question. So what do you think about it? And I said, well, there's room for improvement. And Coach Sanford said, that's a very political answer. I'm very clear. So you can go to uh, YouTube, my, my YouTube channel, YouTube Bible Bar Review, and check it out. Because you're glad it wasn't me. So, uh, but Dan Rad knows, and he is Dan Rad, Dan Rad now, rather than chicken, because last night, he and Kyle Meyer combined for zero points. Oh, four rounds in 27 minutes total. So basically, the numbers that we did stop playing. So that's not, that's not good at all. The Cougs lost by nine points to a 10 second win. Yeah. Neither, team, neither team shot well. Cougs had a chance to win. Coach Sanford said, you can go up, follow me on Twitter at VHR Review, YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review, go to my, my website, HoustonRoundBarReview.com. Coach Sanford also talked about how they need a third score. Without Devin Davis, who's out with fasciitis, they don't have a consistent third score right now, so it's just robbery. Damian Dawson, both of them struggled to shoot the ball, but last night, the two struggled to score. So that's the reason why they were unable to win last night when they were able to stay undefeated in the conference of the American Athletic Conference. It was now 3 1 in the AAC, overall. And honestly, because they're good schedule in our conference, last night was a big opportunity for them to boost their schedule in RPI. So they're probably going to have to go 14 4 in the conference to give them a really good shot. Of advanced in the bid, at large bid in the NCAA tournament. That's kind of hard to do. They went 12 6 last year, but 14 4 is going to be tough to do this year because the conference overall is not very good. This year, because UConn was devastated by injuries, they're struggling. The top two teams are Cincinnati and SMU, and then U of A and Utah and other schools like that. But the top two, Cincinnati and SMU, and anybody else. And USF already fired coach this past week. Let go over in Antigua. So man, that's early in the season. It's early season, but it's our, that's how things go. You know, I guess they're trying to be big time basketball. And yes, sir. So they didn't win. It's been a while. I, I haven't, you know, thought about coach being fired this early in the season. This is right. Yeah, two games in the conference play. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how things go with at South Florida. Uh, the conference, you know. It's trying to become yep. relevant, and they need UConn to be relevant on the men's side. No question, no. And and Cincinnati and SMU are doing their part, but they also need new face. They need their part to win games mm-hmm. and get back on the national landscape and be successful. So we got to get U race on track. U race got to get healthy. Rob Gray missed the game on Wednesday with the flu against Tulsa. He was managing in that ball game. He played last night. He scored 21 points, but he only shot the ball in 922 on the floor. Mm-hmm. The Cruz only shot 37% overall for the game, so they struggled to make shots. So they had a chance to win, but they never led the ball game at all. So that's, that's not good. The game was tied 0 0. And that was a good game. They made the basket 60 seconds into the game, and the Cruz never led it after that. So, so that led the, literally the entire ball game. Mm-hmm. Let me. Well, I'm not going to harp on, but I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, with foot problem, that's going to be lingering the whole season. Uh, Rick. We're not sure. We're not sure. Because when, when, I, when we all hear that, you know, we, we're not sure about a lot of things, but bringing, them back to, bringing those guys back either too soon 
and not soon enough, depending on what what sport it is. Some of the guys never make it back that season healthy. It's, it's like a high ankle sprain. It's, it's something that lingers on. Either they plan to, you know, get too much time like either on the field or out on the court. So my question is, how does the coach have to, uh, Coach Sampson have to be forced about midway of the season to rearrange some things or will it be a transition of moving away from uh, uh, any kind of post play and just been trying to make a go at it at, at just the end of the goal? Well, without Devin Davis, they, they've gone, they, they played with uh, Burke, Holly, and mm-hmm. five spot, and then other four go- guys are basically guards. They went four guards. They played small ball mm-hmm. this week. Just with uh, Holly, Damian Dobson, Rob Gray, Russ Van Beck, and Dylan Robinson. Just around up to five. So, rebounding is sometimes an issue, mm-hmm. but, uh, they need to have more, better ball move, more effective ball movement, try to get better shot. Push the pace a little bit more. Because they have to play quicker besides Devin Davis on the floor. And with playing a fast fast, it's kind of a tissue injury. So, depending mm-hmm. on the severity of it, it's not matter how long he'll be, he'll, uh, be out. He played a few minutes in last Saturday versus South Florida, and then something happened in his foot. So we don't know if they popped or he felt the pain, and he didn't play the rest of the game in South Florida, and hasn't played since then. So, we'll see. The timetable for when he returns, but that's the crew definitely leave him up front to, uh, lead up the legitimate third goal, Dotson and Rob Gray, to round out the offense and stop it much more effective as well as rebounding, just on the board, and you have some inconsistency from the other good people. So the crew to have some questions to answer, but you have some time to get it right, and we'll see how things work out from then on. The gentlemen, mm-hmm. well, switch, shift gears to football. The Houston Texans, the Brock Osweiler led Houston Texans defeated the beat up Oakland Raiders Saturday. The other guy? 27 14, led by Connor Cook, who looked that guy. clearly overmatched by the Texans defense, and he just seemed to have no idea what he was doing. Out of hand of the defense, not, did not do a, a good job looking off defenders and going to. He He was definitely overmatched. What are your thoughts on the Texans divisional round matchup versus New England? So, uh, they're going to get the real team. First, let me say, I think they did what they were supposed to do at being at home and taking care of the team that came in that was wounded, that deserved to be there, but obviously they had some things with the Oakland Raiders that broke down it in the field, and namely the quarterback that, that was really taking that team to the next level. Car. Very cost. The, the better car of the Car Brothers. Certainly at this point. A lesson learned. And very early in career, but uh, he's getting it done. And, and that, yeah, that is a credit to him that he Father took place with his brother, and I'm sure his brother worked with him and let him know also what was his concern. But let's let's get into this next matchup. I I would be amazed if they find a way um, to seriously threaten New England. I think obviously defensive they have all the points that you can say they would put them in a position to be even a championship level team, uh, leading the NFL in many statistical categories. Uh, but you know New England, and they're going to find a way to score, and that's your question. And you some taking scores, and it's going to be hard to imagine, even with the points they put up against the Raiders, you know. Uh, you're excited about Osweiler, and a lot of that is less about what he really did on the field 
this comparison of somebody who wasn't doing hardly anything. The line has opened up. The Patriots are 16-point favorites. Right. And I think that's being kind, and that's the business in terms of Las Vegas, but uh, it'd be hard-pressed to imagine that they can seriously play in England. Uh, England really has it set up really nice for them to make it into a post AFC championship game and be prepared for some teams that may be hot coming in, but they need to get one game under their belt so they're ready to go. So I can't see anything that would suggest that the Texans can finally win this game. But again, that's why you play the game. So I'm sure that the team will hype that up all this week because all the talk will be about the Patriots, rightfully so. Um, but they're a team, yeah, they're a team that's going to find a way to try to find some ammunition and motivation uh, to push them even further than they could imagine. But in actuality, there's as much as I can give you, and I can't think of anything outside, like I said, the defensive side that gives you any inclination that the Texans can get done next week. Well, Kathy, I'll give it to you. They'll close out the Facebook Live portion of this. I'm happy that the Texans won yesterday. Um, I'm happy that the way they won yesterday. But as you say, you get into a real team, uh, stepping up and <laughs> going on the road with, going on the road this season is a lot different. Um, what New England offers is something that, uh, most, none of the other teams that's still in the playoffs offer. As a quarterback that understands what it's in front of him, he has a goal, he has a set focus, and it's to get coming to Houston for Super Bowl 51. And that's the only thing on his mind right now. You can say this, you know, it's the next game, next game. No. New England starts out the season with a goal in mind, and that is to get to the big game at the end of the season. Not doing, not just get to the playoffs and get to the next game. Thank you, sir. Uh, audio. Gentlemen. Yep. What are we going to do? First, let's go ahead and just give Doc a chance to uh, touch on a little bit more about TSU and uh, Darren Griffin deciding to go to the NFL. So yeah. I haven't had a chance to talk to you since uh, that came out. Uh, I was kind of shocked about that. But yeah, I think we all were shocked just from the standpoint you don't hear many times when the players at the SBS level come out right early. So I think that's probably your biggest shock. But when you really go inside the numbers and think about it, this is a four or five star kid that came out, had an opportunity to play at Miami. Uh, there were some grade issues, didn't allow him to do it. He sat out, got his grades right, came to CSU, uh, became eligible, and then was on the field. And uh, as much as he was on the field, they had some quarterback problems the first year he was right. there, but even with that, he put up a lot of touchdowns, so people were excited what he did, and then he was a two-star athlete. And, high school, so he brought that to the table at Texas Southern, and in many ways, he probably outperformed what people thought he could do on the basketball court compared to what he did on basketball, but in a, lay, in a lot of ways, it excited a lot of people in regards to his jumping ability, what they would refer to as athletic ability, but his ability to um, let his body uh, do things that were simply amazing in terms of what he did on the basketball court even more so than what we've seen uh, in limited action for some degree of what he did on the football field. Uh, and when I say that, people know by now that he was in the slack office basically for um, 
postseason award in terms of all players of the year. So he was offensive, defensive, and newcomer of the year. And some people thought he made should have even the third one in there. Uh, I mean, the fourth one in there. But he got three of those players' positions. But ultimately, uh, what it came down to is, I think, in a lot of ways, he was ready to make that move. You, you still have to be looking at, you know, would he have been eligible? He did do the basketball season. Mm-hmm. Even coach, when I interviewed Coach Mike Davis at Southern University, he said he didn't think it would be fair if he, um, you know, tried to suggest that the kids stay. He really supported him going. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was ready to get to his career. He needed to start working out. Then you add on the layer that he added, you know, a very solid, Agent, true warrior. Many of people remember him being the agent of the bar, mm-hmm. the late great uh, Alcorn State quarterback, keeping there, Steve McNair. And so those are the type of things that said, yeah. hey, maybe sometimes it's just time to go do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was a shock to everybody, but I think um, I think it's something that I need to put out that it was fair that he actually did go to the coaches go to the administration in Texas Southern. But why it caught some of the fans off guard, those in that should have known in those positions, did know and actually supported him. Obviously, they want him to stay here, but once he pretty much had the decision, it looked like the opportunity would uh, be there for him to go. They wanted to support him and try to help him make the best decision. And you see that lining up with the solid agent. So I think that's a lot of what took place here. In this particular uh, situation. And I'm going to be honest with you, Jack. I think he made the right decision because going to football with his strengths and abilities and all what he's capable of doing, especially at that position. Yeah, I think he's athletic enough I to adapt uh, to a his, lot of things. His ability, which is one of the reasons you have to imagine he did that, is to put himself in, and his family in a financial position. Mm-hmm. I think doing the basketball right, route, it probably would have been a longer. He, had, I would think, had yeah. the chance to do basketball, but there is more likely that it would have been a longer route. Uh, you talk about at best probably a second round draft pick, if that. Um, so you're talking free agency, guaranteed mm-hmm. contracts or not, or only for first round players. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about uh, maybe, maybe getting a shot at the NBA roster, but more likely playing overseas or in the W. Dilly, as they call it. And so, and what is that, uh, football, he has a chance. They're still working on what the D League is really going to be about. But now they can obviously, um, suppress the players the way out, like you put it. <laughs> in a lot of ways. But the salaries in the D League with the new agreement are going to increase and they're going to expand the rosters on NBA and allow for players to go over. Back and forth. I didn't yeah. think about that, but that's and a very and and the league, so. that Those contracts will increase, and the partnership between the D-League and the team with, with so the situation. The last thing I would like to add in there is in terms of what he has a chance to do on the football roster, even though, as I said, they like to suppress salaries. I think his ability to make that roster is clearly earlier than not. Well, what can we go say? Um, with that being said, is it more advantageous for players, uh, borderline or otherwise, to move to a D or let the go overseas and, and play there. 
Well, I think it, it depends on the player and, and the contract that you get. But uh, with the and and where you you know overseas the contract that you sign in the countries and things like that because now it's not quite an issue on for the men as it is for the women. But when you're having the recent terror attacks in Turkey, mm-hmm. you have a few WNBA players now considering not going back. not going back. Uh, so if that shoots over to the NBA side, you may have some. Yeah, may on FIBA men's side, yeah. you may have men deciding, okay, well, I'm I'm not going to play overseas. I'm going to take my chance, take my chance in the D league, and if the salaries are comparable, and they're getting closer to overseas, you know, not clearly they're not going to be the huge amount that some countries offer, but for the younger players, for sure, salaries are all comparable. Yeah, so especially when you're talking about the certain players that you're referring to that's going to be in a position where they are going to mm-hmm. lower salaries, more comfortable salaries. Uh, if you don't have to go overseas, you hadn't done it before, so you're not going to be going to comfortable uh, doing it. Um, then you got to imagine. Yeah, this could be really significant about that. It'll be interesting to see in a lot of ways what does it mean internationally for how they would maybe potentially combat that. Yeah, and so so it's gonna be interesting to see what uh, certain countries do if they uh, change rules and allow more players, international players, Americans, you know, on the rosters, or, or what are they gonna do? But so it's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out. For one of the things, let me just read a little bit of info here is um, the rosters will grow. Any roster will grow to basically stash. You know, two players, mm-hmm. and will allow players to go back and forth, and it'll be a question of how the salaries will, will work out. So, and we call it two-way players, and they'll earn between fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars in each contract. So, that's you know, good money. Significant. So we'll keep guys over here, and it'll be an easier call-up. It doesn't go from your new league team to an NBA team. You know, it's less of a headache, less stressful travel costs. You don't have to worry about visa problems coming from overseas. You don't have to worry about you know, certain terror situations overseas as you would. You just go from Reno, Big Horns, to uh, the Sacramento Kings, for example, in the Hong Plain, and you join the, join the NBA club in a matter of hours. So that's going to be interesting and more beneficial. So that's just an a- one aspect of the new uh, collective bargaining agreement that the owners and the players have agreed to. It's going to be beneficial to the superstars of the league, and actually because you got the Chris Paul, LeBron, R, and Carmelo are the officers mm-hmm. on the of the for the union. So that's they're going to take care of them, you know. And I think Doc would agree that the superstar players. They generate the most interest, and she gets the most money. No question about it. You know, that was one of the things that I cried foul last year was put no, on. No, and to basketball to some extent, if you suppress these values, so definitely those that are ability to command the money on the free market, they should be the ones that get the money in some collective bargaining agreement with the larger share. They drive the revenue of the entire league, so without a doubt. And I think. 
even other people obviously want more money, but they would be honest. That to some degree, it's almost like the Tiger Wood effect. Yeah. Go ahead, how you get all the extra money? You know, when he was hot, obviously. Sure. Get all the extra money you can because in a lot of ways we pass that money down too. Oh yeah. So the pots got bigger. So even when you get in second and third place, you give them a lot bigger share. So I don't see that uh, being people barking at that. And one of the other, a few other things is the season will start earlier. They're going to reduce the number of preseason games by roughly two. Start the NBA season mid-October mm. in order to lessen the uh, amount of back-to-back games the teams play to hopefully decrease the amount of opportunities for coaches to uh, give players, sit players down for rest that we didn't used to see in the 80s and 90s. You saw guys playing back-to-back four games, five nights, and play for all time. I think that's really smart that they're taking that. Because it's really, instead of forcing the issue, because I'm not sure... Other than finding people, but in a lot of ways, when you're talking about injuries, even I heard some uh, suggestions that they should just find the organizations. But I don't think many people thought that very deeply because if you start finding the organization for players, then you basically force the players to play. Now, what if somebody gets a serious injury, injury after they said they were injured? Now you're talking about some serious legal implications about how you dealing with injuries in your players, which is already an issue on the NFL side. Obviously, it's more with concussions and we're not on that level, but imagine some of the dis- discussions and debates that get out there to find out that the first big-time player gets hurt after suggesting he's hurt and saying that he basically felt that he had to play or he got fined or he played after he sat out and got fined and then he was hurt. So I think you're protecting your assets. I know a lot of people don't want to look at it in that. But these players are certainly assets, at least they are getting compensated for being an asset. If that's the case, what what's the problem? You're going to play the same amount of games. In a lot of ways, it works out for you because now you get to find a way to potentially spread out the season a little more. Right. Go a little longer, which I'm sure the television people would be mad about that. In fact, they're going to probably be excited that they're going to find a way to get more inventory in regards to the length of the season. Uh, so that, that should be interesting. And then the way they have suggested not in business with college, this also gives a platform for the college games to have a lot more room in between professional games over the years. So I think it'll work out just on certainly all of the people involved Hard to imagine that they wouldn't find this resolution and do it for just a lot of everybody involved. Now, the one and done will stay in place. That's not going to change. So Certainly, you know, I can't stand that group, but right. I definitely understand what they're trying to do there. Um, in a lot of ways, unfortunately, for those one and done players, both players and the league has a reason why they wouldn't push the issue because it's that mid level player. Obviously, in a lot of ways, they give them an extra year or two to stay around versus a new one and player coming Now, the, and the salaries of the, the lower-paid players, the guys on the end of the bench, are going to increase minimum salaries, rookie salaries, and the mid-level and biannual acceptance are all going to increase by 45, 45% across the board. And one thing that uh, you got to give kudos to the players' union 
is that they are increasing the uh, pensions and the benefits for the retired players. It's about time. Including yeah. health training and things that sort. They're doing a much better job, I think. Yeah, but uh, the fact that they did it and pushed it and saw the issue, because that's not happening on the NFL side. No. Suggest that there were players in the unions that understood that, you know, we benefited for what these individuals did, and we have the ability and the financial wherewithal to give some of that back. And in a lot of ways, this is off the heels of what took place with some of these players that had passed recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you had the same thing in football, but those players didn't do it. Basketball yeah. did it. So I think uh, it, while it is about time, I yeah. think it's still some kudos going after the players. And, 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 and as you said, not my only, well, I'll take that back. It's not my only. But my question is, why has that not trans- transcended to the football players? To, to the point, because even in baseball, they have a mentality of take care of the older guy and take care of the retiree. So why has that not transcended to football? I won't go too deep on this podcast, but maybe there's something yeah, that we can go and visit it when, when we have a, maybe a podcast almost dedicated to that. Uh, but I think it's just a lot of the mentality that goes in the football sport itself. Like I said, there's no guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. So it's more about the individuals. It's more about me. Get it now. The sport itself is, is a you know, contact sport more than anything else. Uh, and so I think there's just a lot of mental framing of the game that creates a different disposition with the players involved. So you don't have the same type of relationship that you have with old head players to new head players in both uh, Major League Baseball and the NBA. So I think you actually ask a very important question that, you, that we need more time to really delve into. But just for a short, simple answer, that's what I believe one of the issues is, is that the way that game is managed and set up, it creates an environment where the players, I would suggest, do not even respect their own self in regards to you literally having being taught for so long that you're just going to play through injuries and play through concussions. Whether it's talking about they still play the game even if they know that uh, some of the gravity uh, that we talked about in terms of injuries would take place. So if they're not going to take care of themselves, yeah, I guess. What is? How can we realistically <laughs> that they're going to take care of somebody else? Yeah, yeah. But you're right, though. We don't have to. And the only reason I brought that up is because of what's down the road now. We'll be talking about it in about two weeks. And the thing to sum up that the the, uh, NBA and the union, they will equally fund a new health insurance plan, education, career development program, and increases in the pension benefits for the retired players. So, NBA and the NBPA get it. The NFL players, the NFL apparently still don't get it. And that's why they are where they are. And, you know, the NBA seems to be much more forward thinking than the NFL on certain issues. Monday night, gentlemen. Yep. Alabama. I'm taking the closing. Taking the, the big elephant in the room. Taking the big elephant in the room. Will it be close? Yeah, I think it'll be close. Yeah. I, I see you touchdown. I see a touchdown. Uh, if, it, if it's closer than that, it's because, for whatever reason, 
Clemson made a decision they were going to rise up from the beginning. And they had to, and, and they would have to score early. They can now wait on that. They can now wait to get into a race. They don't have to get out there and get jumped and start jumping. But who has a better quarterback? Clemson, and that's who I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Clemson. I'm going to go off the board. I think Clemson, I think it's just pretty much one of those things. Their time. I'm I think that game was that close last year, and I think a lot right. of ways, if you look into it, uh, Alabama's defense is not as deep as it was last year in terms of what do you need to um, play against uh, Clemson in regards to changing players out to keep pressure on him because you have a mobile quarterback and one that certainly can beat you with your arm. I think Clemson's defense uh, is underrated in some ways in regards to how deep they are in the defense. And I'm, it's it's just difficult for me, although you have to give Saban a lot of credit in, work, in regards to what he does in coaching and preparing teams. But it's hard to imagine, hard for me to imagine that a freshman quarterback the freshman quarterback is going to come in and win a national championship. I think we overlooked. Which I do got Colin Place. I hadn't even gotten into that. I was going to let you get into that. But that, that, adding those two factors up, I think people just are so in love with Alabama, what they do on the defensive side and with the coach. It's just difficult for me to imagine for all the football known on the years when you really talk about this. If this was any other team, People would not be that infatuated with Alabama right. because of those two factors. If you make a change the week before the game right. with the coach that obviously been involved but hasn't called plays, hasn't been in that live action, I think you take uh, some credit away from what Lane Kiffin has done up to this point. Exactly. Okay, I'm masterful with three different quarterbacks. I mean, not saying that you may like his character, but whatever he's been able to do as an offensive coordinator has been really effective for this program. And I just think that you take quite a bit away when you don't look at all these factors. So something tells me it's just hard to imagine that Alabama is going to find a way to continue to be this perfect. But obviously, if any team can do it, it is Alabama. But that's all those factors are why I'm saying it's just time to fix them. You get it done, and in some ways, it's just time for Alabama not to get it done. Now, my reasoning will go to the coaching side of it, and what's being done at Alabama that's not being done at any other school uh, in the country, only because of the fact that it is Alabama one, two. They found a way to provide funds and all to have all these consultants and and, and uh, support help. Of former head coaches that come in and, and, and I, I, I know it's funny, but, but oh, you said it well. But, <laughs> because I don't think, and and this is why I'm giving them the advantage. I don't think it's fair, but they found a way to get it done, and us former head coaches don't have a problem with it. I do, but it's working for them. And it's, uh, they have a complete staff in waiting to fill positions once whoever on staff full time leaves. And that's basically what you do. Kirby Smart and now Lane Kiffin. Uh, they, I don't know how they do it. Folks are starting to, they're starting to check it now because it's starting to happen a little bit too often for them losing staff members going to head coaching jobs. 
and they, this big support staff of former sister, uh, former head coaches and you know, are sitting on the sideline or uh, in the book press box and preparing game plans for them. Uh, yeah, I think coach. all the credit goes to head coach. You have to give him credit. He's, he's creating an environment to get it done. And so I don't have a problem with that. That still does, is not my point. I think they'll be back in the, in the football business next year. They'll make oh, another right. run next year in the right. next couple of years. I'm just saying in terms of a one-game takeoff, yeah. when I look at championship settings, the same concern that many people have at the professional level with the Dallas Cowboys, no matter how talented the quarterback and running back are, people are still saying they're rookies. And so until you do it, yeah. just like with the Heisman, until yeah. you win the Heisman as a friend, yeah. And you're able to come back. Yeah. Uh, people are going to have doubts. It's that you've never seen it before. Frankly. So yeah. until you that's see something before, say, well, it's going to give you some hesitation. Yeah. So that's my factor here that obviously it can be done. And I'm still saying the game will be close. Uh, but it's just hard for me to imagine that when you look at this thing, particularly how they played last week, and, uh, yeah. is a, is a, and then co- a coordinator that hasn't called plays, is he going to be able to write that shit that fast? Yeah. And obviously, I know a lot of people looking at the fact they think they can run the ball, but I'm not sure they really look at Clemson's, Clemson's defense if they believe that Alabama will be able to now, just I don't run think the ball. I don't think they'll be able to run the ball, though. I think they'll be able to pass on that defense uh, and, move, and move the ball, you know, move the chain. The other thing that, that I noticed from last week, and it's, proof, it's been a proven fact. When you're headed off to another job, or you accepted another job, for whatever reason, your mind is not ready on your job that you have at the, point, at, at the time being. We've all witnessed that. impact Tom Herman. Really? When he was at Ohio State and you were basically. Well, yeah. it didn't impact uh, Kirby Smart last year going to Jersey. Well, the, the two that I'm going Georgia. to. Lane Kiffin is just a different cat. Right. And he and Nick Saban, honestly, I don't believe they got along. Right. I think it was a partnership of necessity more than it was a partnership. Yeah. It was almost like it was really a business thing, a mutual yeah. agreement where it works. <laughs> but, it, it, but still, with all that being said, we're still not dealing with the quarterback, a rookie, a freshman quarterback. I'm picking Clemson just like Doc for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Have a point to prove. Oh, yeah, Mr. Hurt. Have has a point. Oh, yeah, that's all. The fact is, he's a senior season. And you telling me that better than Jalen Hurts? You telling me that's what I'm saying. Period. That's what I'm best and pick on. I'm going with the guys up front. Hey, that's fine. It's, it's, uh, you telling me? So you saying that the Alabama front line is more talented and will be able to get the push to be, be able to control the line of scrimmage against that Clemson defensive line? A, oh, I can't. Uh, it's hard for you. If you're gonna say that, I, that's, that, I'm just I'm going with that. Well, I can't wait to watch well, that's why we have these podcasts. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going with that. I'm going with that. That's just my wow. gut. My gut tells me you want to put a take on it. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I can't eat a steak, but uh, I sure will. But uh, yeah, we we go at, we go to the steak. So you want you want to yeah that's a steak a steak a piece a steak a piece. All right, you'll get you from us. Yeah, one from me, one from him. Yeah, straight up, no points, right? No points. All right, look forward to you feeding us then, sir. I look forward to this. All right then. Hey, what we got going here? Oh, no, I hope they don't, hope Clemson doesn't crush me. We're not going to, oh, we're not going to rough you, you, your son. It's, it's, it's being corrupted, but, uh, in, in a, 
Yeah. Coming through a banner here, Doc. Wildcats. Yes. Your favorite NBA team is 29 and 9. I'm glad you mentioned that because because two people on on my job is said, Jerry, what you think now? I said, well, he's getting to that point now. I'm, I'm starting to look at it now, and, and I, I'll give him some votes. 29 and 9. And seven in a row. And, uh, hold on now. The person also, the other person basically said, uh, Jerry, uh, my number's looking good. I said, yo, your 52 is looking, your 52, 55 wins is looking pretty good yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, literally. I, I, I'm giving him a lot of credit. Uh, They've exceeded my expectations and, this and, season. And, and trust me, you know, I'm a hard, I'm a hard person to what they got saying. Because some folks wanted to make some statements and all, and then the night when he passed the key, I kind of like, okay. I got triple, triple doubles. You know, it's, it's, yep. it's, I, I really got to look at what he's doing. I don't know, I don't know for that, how he's just, you know, making this all work. Three straight triple doubles for, for uh, Mr. Harden. But the, the triple double on New Year's Eve versus the Knicks. Yeah, that was kind of hard. That was kind of hard. 53 points, that 17 assists, no, 16 rebounds. That was historic. That was, was kind of hard to not watch and not pay attention to what was going on on the floor. I mean, I mean, on the fear side, that I just I had to look. That the was hard. I, I basically said, okay, show me what you got now to finish this out. And sure enough, you know, at the end of the night, the numbers spoke for themselves. But the, the way the way the team is performing around him is something that I've never thought would happen during his tenure, especially this year. Yeah, and kudos to Coach Antonio, kudos to James Harden, kudos to the players buying in. This team likes each other. This team has a chemistry that is much better than last year's team for whatever reason. Great point. And, and when you say kudos to Antonio, he's been one that many people have poked a lot of fun at so far. For him, not to say that I necessarily believe with right. believing his offenses, but the fact that he's been able to get it done this far, yeah. he deserves it. But I, I have, I've been thinking about this series the last two, two nights. See, I'm, I'm going to say something to you tonight, and I'm going to let you go on. I think the addition of some support help in the coaching staff is also a, 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 yeah. a, a, a coach, uh, Jeff Bixdellick, John Lucas, Roy Rogers. Yep. It's, it's a very good staff. That's a very good staff. It's very balanced. Which is still kudos to the coach, of uh, uh, either taking that information and, and getting it done yeah. or delegating it, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. But here's a the theory I've been, been uh, thinking about kicking around. Let me toss it out there to you, gentlemen, as well as hopefully when the listeners hear this on SoundCloud or iTunes or Pod Directory or whatever other podcast affiliates, we know the Rockets are a three-point team. I mean, they've launched yes. 63s in, in a game this season. Yeah, more than one. So if they don't launch 40, something strange has happened. Why? I think the Rockets are taking advantage of a defensive tradition in teams that teams are so used to playing man-to-man, switching or helping, and defending the basket that they're over-committing and going back to let me protect the basket and leaving these three-point shooters open. Rather than James Harden, you go from pick and roll, you got an easy lane to the bucket, take your bucket, take your layup, take a dunk, whatever. Rather than let me collapse, let me get out everybody to collapse on James Harden, defense surrounds him, he'd have kicked it out to the open three-point shooter. 
Three is more than two. That's the whole philosophy of Dow Moore's offense. That's right. Three is more than two. So my thinking is, if I'm a team, I'm the opponent, I'm just going to guard Trevor Reason at the three-point line, guard Eric Gordon at the three-point line, guard Ryan at the three-point line, and just stand with them. James Harden beats his man out of the dribble, give James Harden that two-point shot, we'll go down the other end and take our shot on, on them. Rather than being sucked in and we leave three-point shooters open because the spacing is outstanding, so everybody's open around the perimeter. So if I just don't leave and don't help, what is the reason going to do then? He's not going to be me off the dribble, more often than not. Even Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon does have that capability a little bit more to attack and be the man dribble and go to the and finish at the hoop. Patrick Bell's not going to do that. So if you just give them the two, then you've reduced a big key of their offense. And here, I mean, and it's like I said, it's, it's a mentality that right. NBA players have, coaches have. Got to protect the hoop. Got to, got to protect it. We can't allow this to happen. And everybody knows I'm a Pistons fan through and through. Yeah. I saw. Well, I was watching the game. I was at Rockets game Thursday at the Thunder. But I was also watching on on my uh, laptop the Pistons and the Hornets. Thanks to league pass. That's a nice technology. Three point game. <laughs> He's Detroit Island and he gets to cover the yeah. Rockets. But still doing what he needs to do to cover the rest of the NBA. Yeah. The three-point game, Detroit's already blown a 19-point lead in the fourth quarter in less than nine minutes. Hornets have made his comeback. Hornets are down by three. Roughly 15 seconds left in the game called timeout design a play. Mm-hmm. Kimball Walker, Hornets guard, penetrates the defense. Detroit's up by three. Penetrates the defense, penetrates the paint. Marcus Morris leaves his man, who's at the three-point line, leaves his man to come down and help on Kimball Walker instead of allowing the open layup. Kimball kicks it out to the man Marcus left. That man makes a three-pointer to tie the game up. Seven seconds three, left. Because of the mentality that you are so conditioned to all your life. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's natural to most component of life is if somebody is open, football, basketball, baseball, whatever, base open, whatever, you go to that, or if somebody's running, you go tag them, you go to mm-hmm. that person. So you're almost conditioned to do that. So that's a great point. But I think the hardest part about that is how do you uncondition? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one thing to say it. Sure. But like you said, when it comes down to those trigger points and like that key, I'm sure that you know, coaches have told him over and over this part of the game, you don't do that. But if you end the moment and you didn't quite hear it right then, your thought process is that guy is going to the basket, he's going to get the basket. Yep. Let me stop that basket. Yep. Not the fact that I'll give that two to protect the three to tie the game and we'll continue to move forward and see what we get after that. It's just difficult. So I, I think, I think the, the Rockets, the Warriors, the, the teams that are three-point reliance have capitalized on the mentality of the NBA players and coaches. Yeah. And they're taking advantage of it, and it's to their credit. Now, I'm not bashing it at all. No. But you just analyzing why it may be working more than not. Because not only you have yeah. guys that can really shoot, which is, which is credit to them, which is the oddity, because a lot of people want to say that 
and the NBA can't shoot anymore. That's funny. That's in a lot of ways that this really debunks that. But the fact is, they went outside of the norm because you know during during the game, the Rockets' recent homestand, there were numerous opportunities when defenders would go down and, and help on Montrezl Harrell in the post and leave Eric Gordon wide open. Why on earth would you go double down on Montrezl Harrell, whose low post game is limited already, yeah. but all it is is a two-point yeah. shot. If he does score, yeah. he has two points, and leave open Eric Gordon, who was rolling, I think, as of Thursday or Friday, was had made more three points than anybody in the NBA, including Steph Curry. So why are you going to leave the three-point weapon that is Eric Gordon to go down and help on Montez Hill? It's because of that condition. So if, and it's a big if, if teams can uncondition themselves and just stay hug their man on three-point line and challenge those shots get a hand in the face, then you will lower the percentage because challenge shots and now that I think about it, I think your point is, but the, the problem you also have with that fact is is that you're only talking about, what, three of the teams in the league. Now, obviously, there's three of the better teams in the league. But what do you do against the other teams now that you didn't? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, you know, so you might find yourself in that catch-22, as we say. See, that, that, that brings up another time. That's why we don't have post players that we all remember seeing on a regular basis, you know, in, in games and all. That's when I mean, that made the statement important. And Coach Sampson is from that mindset of, uh, you know, looking for somebody to be assembled to, to, to protect the thing. But now you don't have that because everybody's out, take it, you know, out on the wing. They're at that three point line and everybody's out there. Yeah. And, and the only time somebody slides over is when they have a drive, a, a, a digit, a, 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 a dribble drive to the bucket and somebody may slide over and all to the, to the semicircle and either you're late or early and you may and you may be still moving. Now you you got a free throw situation either way. And and another thing, James Harden is so good and effective this season. Game in, game out, he has the ability to make a defender foul him while he's shooting a three-point shot, attempting a three-point shot. He'll go to the line for, as I call it on Twitter, a three-FT visit at least twice a game. And against the Knicks, he did it four times. Knicks fouled him three times. And it's like, do you not know what he is going to do? And I think the players know it, but he's still so good at doing it. Doing it. So it's just another... Example of Harden and the Rockets taking advantage of what is out there and taking advantage of the mentality of NBA players. And it may be a thing as old school mentality that some teams have, some players have, some coaches have. It may be a macho thing. Well, I don't want this man to do this on me like he's done everybody else and he still gets you. So it is, but as great as the Rockets are playing, the 29 and 9, the announced attendance has been set off the last two games. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. And you don't have to. I'll say it for you. It ain't been on sellouts. Well, the tickets may tickets that quote unquote may have been purchased by you know what what is the term now the second market other market 
Yeah. In the rate market. Yeah. Still hard. You know, rate market. This third rate or these uh, third party. Well, they are not. Third party. In going out in terms of butts in the seats. Not, not close. Not even close. And I'm curious. I wonder why. Because the Rockets are playing exciting ball, winning basketball. It's entertaining basketball. You got one of the best players in the entire NBA on the team. And why does the Rock folks tonight coming uh, coming to the game? I have no idea. Thursday. Thursday's game was on TNT versus Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook, another MVP, MVP candidate. Yep. Because he gets the attendance in the first quarter of that game. Yeah. Was embarrassing on yeah. national TV. Yeah. That was some I don't know. And let me throw in a few things. We all know we got money folks who like to get to the game late to the hand in the, in the oh, round. Oh, yeah. So there's some of those. You know, also, a, there's also a traffic problem, a traffic direction problem, because they, I don't know what it is about leasing, security, traffic folks, they have done a poor job of alleviating traffic and directing traffic and, and make it easier for people to get in the garage and, and park around the facility, et cetera. So that's an issue. But I had a coworker tell me Friday, and he's a basketball fan, he watched the game, he's like, saw the game on TV. Where were the people at? <laughs> and he said it point blank. That first half, the first quarter looked like the place was empty. Isn't that coming? So, I mean, we, it's, 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 there's a rush that comes through the door, and then there's a ladder, and then there's another rush. And, you know, folks. And it's, it's a, and, and here's a part of it, and, it, and even if it's, I doubt it's thousands of folks hanging around at the concession stand buying food and drinks. So they're all waiting in line to buy stuff rather than be in their seat. That's not, that does not explain all of this emptiness in the building. Well, I, 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 it may be part of it. I think to an extent, but it's not the entire thing. Is it too much TV that, that's available? Well, I don't know if you want to call it too much TV, but TV no, is a factor. I'm talking about uh, available to. Right, that's what I'm saying. On, on it, you know, and folks can be doing multi—they multitask. Well, I just think you have a different society. You're, you're leading into where I was going to go with the framework, and I was going to go back to both. Um, the way that organizations even manage uh, their attendance—you know, it kind of started in a lot of ways with baseball, with, and theirs was more about how many games. Yeah, yeah. And so they had the inventory to keep up with the fact that you have empty seats. And so I think there's a couple of things where we condition folks. And we don't even realize we've done it. One, we condition folks from the framework that you can really see games at home. You can get the atmosphere. You can get so much coverage. You allude to the fact now, even if you go in a game, you can take your time to get there because you can see things on your phone. You can keep up with it on your phone. You have the radio. And then you add in the fact that uh, we've also conditioned folks that things really don't count until we get to the playoffs. Yeah. So we forgot in a lot of ways when we talk about that, that we've conditioned a lot of this framework. And part of that condition is that the TV and the streaming is the age of where you got all, get all this information. So you don't need to have people in the stands. That's an old framework of thinking. And obviously, if you work for the Rockets or you're a proud fan and you want to see it, and then you add in the fact, we know this too, a lot of those premium seats are sold to companies. And the companies are not in the biggest business of making sure people get there. They do what they do in regards to what they buy them, and they separate them out. And so people they give it to, some of it's not the best timely thing in regards to people that have families. 
another part of it is she doesn't do it here, but also the other part of it is the fact that she um, also don't necessarily have the corporation just making sure that people go to the game as you would have people to buy. They buy for a lot of tickets, and if they give away five, three to five, stay in the desk, no problem. We're buying it for more than that. It's a branding thing. It's not about us making sure people are there. So you add all those type of things up, and I'm sure I left out one or two uh, of them. You get to the fact that you're going to see, I think, even more so in the future, if it's not a primetime game, whether that's during the season, Christmas holiday type event. I mean, we've added to that. If you go to games based on it being a holiday in terms of your family, you know, for example, last week, uh, we have this tradition that we just started out with our family and we're going to Cowboys games, uh, for the, either Thanksgiving weekend or the Christmas weekend. More likely lately it's been Christmas. So now it's not about looking at season tickets or even a package of tickets. You sell packages of tickets to get people to be strategically, uh, and sometimes they're buying the, package for a certain game, so if they're buying the package, you sell them for four, so you can make the money. They might try to offload some tickets here and there, but the main thing is they're trying to go to one or two games, not all four of them. So, it's just a new way that we do business in sports. Not to say that it's good, because I think it's more, and questioning what is going on is important, but I do think people that are in business in sports, they need to continue to look at what's taking place and see does it start to have a negative effect in a different way. Speaking of, is, is that one of the reasons why that's this continuous uh, onslaught, you know, commercials talking about, you know, cutting the cable and all, uh, cord cutters, cord, cord cutting, uh, ESPN starting to, you know, the, the uh, TV partnerships now starting to change the way they did on uh, packages and all for... Uh, yeah, we'll see what that takes place. We haven't really seen that on the demo deciding to build on major events. We haven't seen that hit yet. We've, we've seen the score cutter, but it hasn't taken place on the next major uh, bid for conference games, inventory, NBA, NFL. The last ones they did, they were all record numbers. We'll see if it has an effect on that. I'm suggesting that, again, the companies were so making, generating so much money, even though cord cutting is going down, I think people don't realize that they were so fat, that they were so overpriced, that they can afford to go down and still not going to really hit hurt the bottom line. They might not be generating the same profit level, but they're still going to generate profits. And that's the difference between people thinking about they're cutting, but are they losing money? You know, that's a whole different concept. I would suggest to you that they're still generating money, and that's why. I People are just changing the way they're doing business in terms of uh, how many games they put on and things of that nature. But uh, part of that is part of it, but I still think you're talking about the business cycle overall. Mm -hmm. It's still on the uptick. Check this out. And I'm going to throw it back to you, Portland, an HBCU update, if you have one. Mm -hmm. January 8th. That is what day? That is today. Today. The NBA will stream the Sacramento Kings Golden State Warriors matchup to fans in India across the Facebook pages of the NBA, the Kings, and the Warriors. The NBA will stream a regular season game via Facebook Live. Uh, they, they didn't talk about that. We've seen it with NFL with Twitter. 
And now we see with the NBA with Facebook. And that is going to be a huge financial piece of the puzzle uh, that people are figuring out. And you're talking about entering new markets. Uh, it's, it's part of the new business. It's money in my pocket. Yeah, it's huge. money in my pocket. You can't say how significant a move that is in, in, in terms of continuing uh, the business of sports in a upward trajectory. I don't see the bottom falling out for a while. There's just too much new technology, too much interest in sports. I would argue to some degree that's a bad thing in regards to general society in and of itself that I'm not talking about at this point. Okay. I'm looking at strictly from a business perspective. Right. I, I think it, it will continue to grow. Uh, for those business perspectives, I think in that framework, it's a great thing. Because I, I definitely think we need to discuss that only because of the fact that you just mentioned something. The general public is about to get truly squeezed out if they are not um, digitally uh, inclined. To yeah, but that, even that's becoming small. That's the old thought process, too. But people, I would argue, I want to be careful how I put this, I would argue people that we believe can't afford that, I'm not saying they're still, I'm not they're saying still getting phone streaming. So I think those that have an interest in it and those that have attachment, they're still finding a way to get their fix on the, on the sporting context. And in fact, that's what's driving the fact they're going this direction. There's so many more people on this uh, that people are going to be able to find their, to be able to get their fix on sports. They're just going to find it and get it in different ways. I don't see it changing in a negative framework. I think we have to be careful in regards to just thinking so much old school that we get lost in the old school thought process mm -hmm. and don't realize that the world changes. Sometimes it's for the good, sometimes it's for the bad, but certainly we know it changes, and I would suggest more times than not when it changes, particularly from with technology, it's for the good, and people will catch up. People will catch up. Give us an HBCU update, sir. When we look at the HBCUs, I'm going to go with the major division this week, and we'll give you some more updates as we continue to get into the majors. But with the second time, let's go with the women first in terms of the major division. Well, some changes this week as two teams dropped out. Tennessee State Tigers, Lady Tigers, 6-7, and 1-2. and two. They went 1-1 one and one this week. That wasn't too bad. But some other teams did better than they did, and so they jumped in the poll. Here's a team that took a hit this week, Caribbean and Panthers. Uh, they came in last week with five wins, six losses, uh, but they went on an 0-3 conference slide. They took wow. a tough road trip to Southern and Alcorn, and then they played the rivals yesterday against Texas Southern. Uh, the first game against Southern, they get blew out. Really wasn't in the game against Alcorn. They played a tough contest against Texas Southern, but just couldn't dig enough to get it out. So, prayer of you, boy. Uh, they were in a hole, 5-9, and 0-3, oh and, and I will say this, on the men's side, they were not ranked last week. They played some very tough contests, close contests against Texas Southern Southern, two teams that many people believe will be at the top of the league, but they're in the same boat as the women, 0-3. Oh It'll be interesting to see as they play two home contests this Saturday and Monday. Can they right the ship, or will this be a long season? So, with the top five programs with that said, We'll show that number five is Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils, five and eight, two and oh, as they were not ranked last week, obviously, and jump in the poll at number four. Norfolk State Spartans, six and seven, one and oh. They also jump in the poll this week. The top three, 
teams remain the same, but Texas Southern, even though they had a close one against Southern going to overtime, they're stretching the lead and added a first place vote. But let's start with number three, Hampton Pirates, 7-7-1-0, as they do lose one first place vote, but they stay in the three spot with 65 points. The number two, Maryland Eastern Shore Hawks, the Lady Hawks are 6-5 because of the snow that were is in that reason their game was postponed, so we'll catch you up with scoring on there. They remain at number two, but no changes in regards to one first place vote there. Texas Southern Tigers, the Lady Tigers add a first place vote as they come out of their uh, road trip, three games on the road, three and oh boy, you couldn't have it any better way. Nine and five, three and oh, including a win over the Southern uh, that many people question. Looks like Alcorn State Braves may be a little tougher than most people think. Uh, they play that Southern Lady Tigers stuff, but the Tigers got it done there too. So that will do it on the women's side. So let's jump over here and see what we can get done for the men in regards to what's taking place on that side of the ledger. With that, we have one team dropping out of the poll this week, the Grammar State Tigers, 6-10. and 10. One and two over these three game road trips that we've done. A lot of games in one week. It's interesting that uh, Swack schedules that way. They play that Monday game, uh, Wednesday game, and then a Saturday game. But at number five, Jackson State Tigers, six and nine, uh, three, three and zero as they jump into the polls this week. Big time wins for them, getting it done. Number four, the Southern Jaguars, six and ten, two and one, had a tough loss to uh, Texas Southern, uh, but they righted the ship as they played Grambling yesterday. Their rivals. At number three, Texas Southern Tigers, 79, 3-0, three big-time wins. Again, all those games in the road, much like the ladies. Uh, they do add a first-place vote, but they stay just outside of number two with 83 points as North Carolina Central, the Eagles, jump in, stay at number two, I should say, with 89 points. They do lose the first-place vote. At number one, Tennessee State Tigers, 11-5, 2-1. They had some close games in the conference. And they've got their victory five first place votes, so they remain at number one this week. It'll be interesting to see as things get hot and heavy uh, for the HBC Sporting Contest. One other tidbit I thought was interesting when you look at HBC Sports this couple of weeks is you're seeing a lot more transfers in the SEC going to these SDS programs at least the quarterback position. Obviously, Devontae Kincaid, we saw what he was able to do in one year coming from Mississippi, taking Grandma State all the way. Literally, as you would say, to the promised land with the championship, uh, getting as much accolades as he deserves. And now you have quarterback from Florida. He's going up Morgan State. Uh, and you also have quarterback of uh, Mississippi State heading up to Tennessee State. Mm -hmm. I may have him reversed there. Uh, but you get the point in regards to what's taking place in a lot of these quarterbacks. And then you have uh, the brother of... Uh, Quarterback from North Carolina Central, Cam Newton. His brother, Kalen Newton, is heading to Howard. Nice little pick. Uh, very talented player, much shorter than his brother, which is probably why he didn't get any FBS. I still think it's probably pretty exciting for right. Howard Bison. The other point that was interesting, London. Mike London, former coach that won a national championship. Uh, up that way. He was formerly of the FBS uh, with uh, Virginia. He's taking and should be announced as the football coach for Howard University tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see. He 
won a championship, of course, at the SCS level with Richmond uh, a couple of years ago before he ultimately took that Virginia job. Uh, so that's a big move. So it looks like, in a lot of ways, the television attention, particularly, many people would argue from the Air Force Reserve Celebration Boat, uh, looked like it's doing some good work for uh, the HBCU football program, at least. How was it in regards to that? Oh, down in Atlanta, it was great. I mean, that event continues to grow in many different ways. One of the reasons I've given you this different framework in terms of attendance, because tennis was down from that game in terms of inside the stadium slightly mm -hmm. at uh, from 34,000 last year to 31,000 this year. But that's when you look that's at not a big drop. That's not a big drop. But what they were really excited about, especially ESPN being the media uh, company, the ESPN events was the fact that they got two points increased in terms of television coverage, which that's means there's about 5 to 8% jump, maybe even right at 10% jump. Online digital presence went up 58%, which they were extremely excited about. I, I, that I so like. all the indicators like. were talking about uh, uh, massive upticks in terms of people watching and covering the game from different demographics outside of just the African-American market. So that's a big deal there as we are uh, getting closed up on my time speaking on the podcast. Uh, speaking of that, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. Okay. And, and lastly, how was the... Uh, 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 awards, uh, uh, the Hall of Fame ceremonies early in the week when you were doing it. Oh, yeah, going to the, what they call the Champions Dinner. Right. Uh, they had the Black uh, College Football Hall of Fame announcements, the new inductee, inductee class uh -huh. for 2017. That was announced 2016. They had them there. Uh, Robert Bush was one of them. We actually have an interview with him that we put on the page. You can go to CSU-HCC and get that done. SoundCloud, Dr. Bill's Inside HCC, Fourth Lab. Excited about that interview, but one thing that they added that I thought was really nice is that they actually brought them on to the stage and did interviews for both teams. So a lot of people yeah, yeah, get yeah, a little more insight yeah. in terms of history. They had a beautiful video that talked about the history of sport that, that really grabbed the attention of both the uh, players from Grambling State and North Carolina Central mm -hmm. Eagles. Um, the runner-up or one of the finalists, I should say, for the Ben L. Cowboys Senior Big Ben HBC Football Award from North Carolina Central, mm -hmm. offensive lineman there. Uh, he was able to get his award for that game, so that was ex excited for him and his family. So we were excited. Great event in getting it done. Thank you, sir, for the weekend that Dr. Truly, truly, I've missed. Uh, oh, I'm done. That's, 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 who are you? You just that's, that's, you're done. Who are you? I am done. What, yeah, you are? The fifth one rocket. All right. <laughs> uh, and I, I've only got one thing to say. It's uh, one question. Uh, then you can go ahead and check later on, and I'm going to see how this happened. Baylor could be on the verge of becoming uh, number one in men's basketball. Not, not could. It will be number one tomorrow. Oh, they will? When the phone comes out, yeah. My goodness! Great, great point. I'm glad we caught that. No, that that was the only thing I was I was trolling on, but uh, the other part I got to check in because it's trolling kind of bad. It won yesterday, and number two team lost earlier. We number one team lost, and Bill was number two. Bill won this week undefeated for the week. So yes, they'll be number new number one on the men's side for the first time in program history. Uh now in the AP poll. Good job, good job, young man. Good job. Uh, I am a football wildcat. You can find me online platform, uh, social platforms at Twitter, TweetDeck, Facebook, JL Woodley One, JL Woodley Jr., Blogger, Blogspot, uh, 
YouTube, and SoundCloud, aka VCSR, the College Sports Report. Doc, I can probably find you real quick. Definitely. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-H-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-H-C-A-V-I-L. You can catch me on a live show at KKBQ 92.9 FM HD 2 for Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday from 6 to 7. If you can't catch it live, you can go to SoundCloud at Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab and catch it as a podcast whenever it's convenient. If you want more information and just daily updates on uh, articles to read, research on HBC and sports and things of that nature, you can go to Dr. Bill's Inside HBC Sports Lab on SoundCloud or THD-agency.com. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, VHR Review on Twitter. Check out our podcast page on Facebook, KG, Swiss Sport Wildcat, and Doc on Facebook. We are also available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Pod Directory. Anyway, thank you very much for your time. As noted, I am KG of the Houston Round Bar Review. Houston Round Bar Review has already been approved. To for credentials for the 2017 NCAA Women's Final Four in Dallas. And the other two of my uh, compadres will be joining me in that approval soon once they complete the applications. So the H Town Media group will be there five deep. So <laughs> trust me, we're making plans for doing things at the Final Four in Dallas. So stay tuned for that. We have a few other things lined up in the I am in the fire, working on uh, the, the Facebook Live portion was brief today because we were figuring a few things, learning how to do a few things. We'll keep that uh, secret, and we'll uh, announce that at a later date, and you'll be surprised once you get everything ironed out on that. So we are evolving. That's all I'm going to say on that. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time, your knowledge, and your insight. going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true. Be cool and do more.